Section 12 of The Theory and Practice of Brewing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Edward Vogt, North Aurora, Illinois. Section 12 of the different properties of malt and of the number of its fermentable parts. The consequences resulting from the before-mentioned experiment have already been hinted at, but it is necessary to trace them farther and to shew how much they tend to the information and the use of the brewer. Germinated barleys, so little dried as their particles remain within their sphere of attraction, are not in a preservative state and therefore cannot properly be termed malts. The first degree of dryness, which constitutes them such, as we have seen before, is that which occasions them to cause some effervescence. This cannot be effected when they are dried with less than 120 degrees of heat, the highest that can leave them white. When urged by a fire of 175 degrees, they are charred, black, and totally void of fermentable principles. Now this difference of heat, being 55 degrees, and producing in the grain so great an alteration as from white to black, the different shades or colors belonging to the intermediate degrees cannot, with a little practice, be easily mistaken. White, we know from Sir Isaac Newton's experiments, is a composition of all colors, as black is owing to the absence of them. These two terms indicate the extremes of the dryness of malt. The color which the medium heat impresses upon it is brown, which, being compounded of yellow and red, the four tinges of which shade malt differently, may be said to be white, yellow, red, and black. The following table, constructed on these principles, will, on chewing the grain, readily inform the practitioner of the degree to which his malts have been dried. It is true some doubts have arisen whether the increase of heat is by equal divisions, according to the scales marked on thermometers, or whether the degrees should not rather be in proportional parts. But if the effect of fire on bodies, as every experiment shews, is exactly corresponding to the expansion it is the cause of, this undetermined question in no wise affects the brewery. A table of the different degrees of the dryness of malts with the changes of color occasioned by each increase of the degrees. Degrees in the left column, color in the right. 119 degrees, white. 124 degrees, white, white, yellow, white turning to a light yellow. 129 degrees, white, white, yellow, yellow, otherwise yellow. 134 degrees, high yellow. 138 degrees, amber. 143 degrees, light brown. 148 degrees, brown. 152 degrees, high brown. 157 degrees, brown inclining to black. 162 degrees, high brown speckled with black. 167 degrees, half brown, half black. 171 degrees, coffee-colored, 176, black. N.B. The several letters against each degree it is apprehended will help in the practice to fix the color. 
The foregoing table not only enables us to judge of the dryness of the malt by its color, but also when a grist is composed of several sorts of malt to foresee the effect of the whole when blended together by extraction. Some small error may be possibly occur in judgments thus formed from formed upon the report of our senses. But as malt occupies different volumes in proportion to its dryness, if in the practice of brewing upon mixing the water with the malt, the expected degree is observed, such parcel of malt may be said to have been judged of rightly and in regard to its dryness. So that the first trial either confirms or corrects our opinion thereof. Though malt dried to 120 degrees is in a preservative state, yet it is the least so as malt. It then possesses the whole of its fermentable principles, which, if not impeded in the extraction, would be very speedy and active. The duration of the warts to be formed from the grain so low-dried must entirely depend on the power given to the water by heat to draw from the malt oils of such consistence as shall sheathe and retard the hasty effects of the fermentable parts. By extraction, then, malted grain, even so low-dried as this, may, with very hot waters and with the farthest assistance of hops, be made to produce beers, which for years will be capable of maintaining themselves sound, or for a long time to resist the effects of the hottest climates. They may also, by a less degree being given to the extracting water and blended with less hops, form drinks, which shall be fit for use in so short a time as a week, and perhaps a term much shorter. Hence we see the degree of heat which dried the malt and the degree of heat given to the water to extract it. The means of these numbers, making an allowance for the quantity of hops used, is that which directs us to fix the properties and the duration of the wort. In one sense, then, we may consider malt so low-dried as this, as being such as would in the shortest time furnish us with a fermented liquor, and in another such as would yield the most delicate and strongest drink. When malt chars and becomes black, its parts are ultimately divided. It has lost the principles fit to form a fermentable wort and which it once possessed. The degree of heat prior to that which produces this effect is the last which still retains any part of the fermentable properties. In warts from malt thus highly impressed by fire, fermentation would allow would proceed with so slow and reluctant a pace that in this case they might be said to be in the utmost state of preservation. No term can be fixed for their duration. A liquor of this sort, brewed with the greatest heat it would admit of in the extracting water, might keep many years and become rather accommodated to the temperature of the place it was deposited in than to its own constituent parts. Experience has shown that drinks impressed by the drying and extracting heat with a medium of 148 degrees, with a proper addition of hope, at the end of 18 months have been found sound and in a drinkable state, and that this degree we find the middling brown. From these two extremes and on these principles the following table is formed, exhibiting the length of time 
drinks made from malt impressed with each respective degree of heat properly brewed in the most favorable season will require before they come to their due perfection to be used. Equally as with hot extracting waters, low-dried pale malt may be made to yield beers which will long continue in a sound state. So high-dried malt, acted upon by cooler and low-extracting water, may be made to furnish a wort soon fit for use, though less agreeable and more inelegant. It might be here asked, why then, at any time, is malt dried with heats exceeding 120 degrees? In answer to this, it might justly be said, it would be very difficult for the malster to exactly hit this point of drawing without deviating from it either on one side or the other. And suppose this difficulty removed, still he could not be certain every individual grain was equally affected. If the drying was less than 120 degrees, the malt, by receiving the moist impressions of the air, would re-germinate and be spoiled. Before the use of hops, malt was high-dried as a means to keep the extracts sound. To eradicate an ancient custom or prejudice requires a long time. This, and the conveniency of keeping malts, was the reason why, for many years, it was in general dried to excess, an error for which some time has been losing ground, as no reason at present subsists why malts should exceed in color a light amber. A table, shewing the age of beers will require, before being used, when brewed from malts which, in drying and extracting, have been impressed with a medium heat corresponding to the following degrees. Column title, Degrees. Column title, Shortest time with 12 pounds of hops. Column title, Longest time with 12 pounds of hops. Column, Shortest time with fewest quantity of hops possible. Row, 119, 2 weeks. Row, 124, 1 month, 3 months, 2 weeks. Row, 129 degrees, 3 months, 6 months, 4 weeks. Row, 134 degrees, 4 months, 9 months, 6 weeks. Row, 138 degrees, 6 months, 12 months, 6 weeks. New row, 143 degrees, 7 months, 3 months, 2 weeks. New row, 148 degrees, 9 months, 3 months, 2 weeks. New row, 152 degrees, 10 months, 18 months. New row, 162 degrees, 2 years. End of table. It must be observed that the foregoing table is constructed on the supposition that these different sorts of malt are brewed, fermented with the utmost care, with waters heated to extract it in proportion to the dryness of the grain and to the intent of time there set down, and with an adequate addition of hops, an ingredient which shall be considered in its proper place. What is meant by the water being heated to extract malt in proportion to the dryness of grain may merit some explanation. Grapes, when ripe, 
carry with them the water that they have received both during their growing state and that of their maturity. This quantity is sufficient to form their musts from. To dried grapes or raisins, water is added to supply what they have lost. And for the same reason, it is requisite in regard to malt. But as grapes stand in no need of artificial fire to give their fermentative principles a due proportion so that what they produce themselves or cold water applied to them when dry is a sufficient menstruum, but barleys, wanting the assistance of a great heat to bring their parts to the necessary proportion, require, when malt, a similar or rather greater heat to resolve them, without which, experiment shews, the flour of the grain would come away undissolved and thus considerably impoverish the grist. Should, on the other hand, too great a heat be applied, an equal loss would be sustained from the finer parts being coagulated or blended with oils, tenacious beyond the power of fermentation to exhibit them. The proportioning, therefore, the heat of the water to the dryness of the malt, more especially to obtain from the grain the whole strength it is capable of yielding, as well as to cause the drink to preserve itself sound its intended time, is of real necessity. Well-brewed drinks should not only preserve themselves sound their due space, in order to be meliorated by time, they should likewise be fine and transparent. These circumstances prove the artist's skill and care, as well as the celebratory of the drink, and are of the surest signs of a well-formed must and of a perfect fermentation. If, then, the rules for obtaining these ends can be deduced from the foregoing principles and experiments, we may flatter ourselves with possessing a theory which will then answer our expectations in practice. According to the laws of the nature discovered by Sir Isaac Newton, the spaces between the parts of opaque bodies are filled with mediums of different densities, and the discontinuity of parts, each in themselves transparent, is the principal cause of their opacity. Salts in powder, or infused in an improper medium, will intercept the light, Gums make a muddy compound when joined to spirits, and oils, unassisted by salts, refuse to be incorporated with water. Musts, therefore, whose constituent parts are not capable of being dissolved by water into one homogeneous body, are not fit either for a perfect fermentation or a pellucid drink. Length of time, which improves beers and wines, often rectifies our errors in this respect. For the oils being, by various frettings, more attenuated and more intimately mixed, the liquor is frequently restored and becomes of itself pellucid. Yet I never found this to succeed where the error upon the whole of the dryness of the malt and the heat of the extracts exceeds the medium by 10 degrees. Art has also, in some measure, concurred with nature to remedy this defect. When beers or wines have been suffered to stand till they are rather in an attracting than in a repelling state, that is, when their fermentations and frettings apparently stand still, then, if they do not become spontaneously fine, they may be precipitated by mixing them with a more ponderous fluid. The floating particles that occasioned the followingness 
are by this means made to subside to the bottom and leave a limpid wine. But the power of dissolved isinglass, the ingredient usually used for this purpose, seldom takes effect when the error exceeds the medium as before by more than 10 degrees. Other ingredients, indeed, have been used, which carry this power near 10 degrees farther. It is not my province to determine whether or not such be salutary. Undoubtedly, it would be better if there were no occasion for them. Beyond these limits, precipitation has no effect. The liquor, which cannot be fined thereby, if attempted, by increasing the quantity of the precipitants, will be overpowered by the menstruum and injured in its taste. How frequent this last case of cloudiness is would answer no purpose in this place to inquire. The use of doubtful ingredients and such errors as have been mentioned need no longer blemish the art when a constant and happy practice will both the effect and the proof of a solid and experimental theory. Beers, which become bright of themselves or by time alone, as well as those precipitated either by dissolved isinglass or by more powerful means, each possess their respective properties in a certain latitude or number of degrees. And as these effects arise wholly from the heats employed in the drying the malts and in forming the extracts, the following table will be of use to point out the limits within which each drink may be obtained. A table shewing the tendencies of beers to have become fine when the malt in drying and extracting has been impressed with heats, the medium of which answers to the following degrees, supposed to be brewed and kept in the most eligible manner. Three columns, column one degrees, column two colors, column three the length of time. Row, 119 degrees, white. Row, 124 degrees, inclining to yellow, immediately. Row, 129 degrees, yellow, two months. Row, 134 degrees, high yellow, four months. Row, 138 degrees, amber, six months. Row, 143 degrees, light brown, 8 months. Row, 148 degrees, brown, 10 months. Row, 152 degrees, high brown, 12 months. Row, 157 degrees, brown inclining to black, 14 months. Row, 162 degrees, high brown speckled with black, 18 months. Row 167, high brown, half black, 18 months. Row 171 degrees, coffee colored, 20 months. And last row 176 degrees, black, 20 months. The difference between the heat for forming grapes and the greatest heat with which ripened them affords to us the number of degrees answerable to their constituent parts. The investigation of barley, in like manner, though less important to our purpose, yet may, with some propriety, be admitted. Upon examination it will be found, barley ears, 
and the new grain begins to form, being still in possession of its flower, about the same time with us as grapes do in June, when we found the mean heat of the air to be in the shade to be 57.60 degrees. Barleys in general are, mo- are mowed from August to September so that in their growth they are benefited by the whole of our summer's heat and for like reasons as in page 59 we estimate this 61.10 degrees. 3.50 degrees then would be the number of their constituent parts taken from the degrees of heat in the shade and which perhaps would be different if the actual sunshine heat and what is reflected from the earth were accounted for. Barleys are annual, unbenefited by the whole of the autumn sun, but after being mowed, they are stacked, retaining still much of their straw, leaves, and outward skins. In these heaps, they heat more or less according to the condition in which they were housed, and which heat may reach to 120 degrees or more, but in general is equal or somewhat superior to that of our bodies. The properties of the grain, by this means improved, ripen, and from hence are more capable of preserving themselves. This might be a reason why a farther allowance should be made to the number of degrees denoting their constituent parts. How much, by a very great number of observations, made from the germination, ripening to the stacking of the barley, in many years and in many cases, might probably be ascertained. But the difficulty of doing this, and afterwards the impossibility of complying with the information such enquiries would afford, and the little need there is for it, as nature has allowed a considerable latitude for our deviating from what may be styled perfection without any sensible injury. These circumstances render such enquiries unnecessary, if not fruitless. Vegetables, but more particularly barley, from their first origin to such time as they might be ultimately separated by fire, may be divided into different periods according to the distinct properties belonging to each, and each of these require again a more exact enquiry. Barley is under the act of germination so long as the acrospire or stem is within the outer skin of the parent corn. This excluded, it vegetates so long as it receives nourishment by the interposition of its roots. It may be said to be in a state of concentration when receiving but little or no support from the earth, yet it is acted upon by such heats as do not exceed what it might bear in the vegetative period, and that of inaction when, by the power of heat, it is placed in a passive state. Now malt is barley germinated, and by a quick transition is impressed with heats superior to those admitted in vegetation, and as such places the corn in a state of inaction. In the beginning of the process of malting, the more tenacious oils, together with some salts, are excluded from the body of the grain to form the vessels requisite to forward the growth of the future plant. What remains in the parent grain, that choice food at first necessary to the infant barley, are saccharine salts, alone applicable to the brewer's purpose, and of the nature and quantity of which he ought to be well acquainted. To retain these, and prevent a waste thereof, the germinated corn is placed in such heat as destroys the union between its parts, 
from whence it becomes inactive. When this intent is obtained by the least heat capable of affecting it, the malt retains both its color and the whole of its properties. Vegetables in no part of their growth are ever affected by heats so great as to disperse their constituent parts. On the contrary, by natural heats, in general, they are improved. The whole of their elements, then, must be measured from the first degrees which form them to the last which procure their highest perfection. And in climates where they are not benefited by the whole of such heat, their properties must be accounted only so many degrees as in such places are between the extremes of their germination and maturation. Alike with malt, their whole number of constituent parts, denoted by degrees of heat, must be so many as are comprehended between that degree which leaves in its possession of the whole their, of their elements and the first heat which excludes a part. For malt more dried than this, being less perfect and losing some of its properties, fewer must remain. The degree of heat which in malt divides the period of germination from that of inaction we have found to be 119. The grain, then, is perfectly white and shews little, if any, sign of effervescence. The first change fire occasions therein is to impress it with a light yellow color. This takes place at 129 degrees of heat, an alteration which can proceed from no other cause but in removing its original whiteness to have expelled some of its primitive parts. The difference, then, between these two numbers of 10 specifies in degrees of Fahrenheit scale the number of properties constituting barley malt. It must be confessed this is, an establish, this is establishing a principle of the art of brewing upon the uncertain report of our senses, as perhaps our sight may deceive us in fixing this change of color exactly at 129 degrees. But we know black and white to be the two extremes of the dryness of malt, and that the middle color between them is brown, while being compounded of yellow and red, these four tinges, equally divided, as we have done in the foregoing tables, will corroborate our fixing the taint of the yellow at this degree. The table, shewing the tendency of beers to become, have, be, have to become fine, was formed from experiments made on brewings, whose governing medium heats were from 134 to 148. The proportion in point of time given by these justifies the division between immediate pellucity at 119 and that taking place at two months or 129 degrees. So from hence, we may be satisfied, however an absolute perfection cannot be depended upon, yet this being the most exact division our senses can afford, it approaches so near to truth that if any mistake remains, it can be but trivial compared to the latitude of errors, fermentation, and time correct. But this number, 10 degrees, denoting the quantity of fermentable parts, must lessen in proportion as a continued or a greater heat deprives the grain of more properties. A speedy, pontaneous pellucity is the effect of the whole fermentable parts. Malt, affected by heat, conveyed either through air or water, or through both, 
so the medium of these exceeds not 138 degrees, if assisted by the acids gained to the drink by long standing, such will obtain transparency. Beers, then, intended to be formed of themselves to become fine, in the calculations used to discover their elements, so many of the members of the constituent parts must be implied as corresponds with the time the beer is intended to be kept. But when beers are made intentionally to require precipitation to become fine, in such proportions as we propose to impress opacity on the drink, we must, in the calculations made to discover the temperature of the extracts, imply only so many of the constituent parts as correspond to the medium heat which will occasion this foulness. These few observations shew the necessity of establishing this fundamental doctrine, the use of which will obviously appear in practice. Thus does the success of this art depend on the instrument so often mentioned, which, by indicating the expansions caused by different heats, becomes a sure guide in our operations. I shall now close this account by comparing with principles here laid down the defects which we but too often meet in barley when malted. End of section 12. Recording by Mark Edward Vogt, North Aurora, Illinois.